Stacey, we forgot to tell you, we were talking to Aaron at this party on Wednesday and he knew who you were because <laughs> you knew the Dean question. Stacey, oh, used no. Stacey used to come to those and she made it to the finals once because she got the question about Dean right. And she was like, Stacy, oh, yeah, no. I didn't know any of the other answers. And I was like, yeah, bitch. I meant to tell Lauren to be like, the person you're making this video for is the one who knew where you played basketball in a very creepy fashion <laughs> or what sport you played and where. But then I was like, you know. He doesn't need to know that. That video lives right free in my mind. I feel like you can play the part where he says I have substance. Stacy, I've been waiting for this moment since, not my whole life, I'm not going to lie, but the beginning of the night, Lauren came up to me and said, yo, Stacy, she's a huge fan of DK Chillin'. And I don't get that often, honestly. People aren't like you. They don't recognize, because real recognizes real. real. So I'm here to tell you that I appreciate you. I appreciate your substance. I appreciate your thought process and your perspective. And I'm out here just saying, God bless, stay happy, and just be a good person. where four friends dive deep into reality competition series bitches we are back season 41 of survivor we are going to just dive on in but before we do that make sure you are following us on all the things on instagram on the twitter make sure you are subscribed to us on wherever you get your podcasts and on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a four-star review because you love us. And if you hate us, five-star a five-star review. There's Don't five leave stars. us a four-star review. Please leave a five. Leave us a five-star review because you love us. And if you hate us, leave us a five-star review anyway. Why? Because good karma is good karma. Let's just go right into it because we got a lot of shit to cover. Let's get into our opening thoughts on Survivor Season 41. Besties, keep the four, drop the one. It's a whole new game. It's a whole new era. And boy, does it feel good to be back. If you didn't know, Aggie, Nick, and I were at the Survivor watch party that Bryce and Wendell threw in New York. And let me tell you, we won't get into it because we have so much to talk about, but the feeling of watching this show come back in a room full of people who were all also so excited for it to come back was just a little bit surreal and, and to finally like have it come back and have Jeff pop up on the screen and hear people clap and look at their faces as they were watching but it was just it was really um special and so I really liked that not to be sappy but it was just it was a really good feeling and then obviously when I sat down to like fully watch the episode I'm pleased you know I think there were so many expectations that everyone had for the season based on the promises that CBS made the hints that Jeff was giving us in the teaser trailers based on things that we've talked about that we want to see when it finally came back. And I I do think that episode one, it hit the ground running and it delivered on a lot of those things like straight out the gate. Um, whether they will sustain over this season, over the future seasons remains to be seen. But I think as far as a first episode back goes, it's really promising. And I'm really excited. Um, one of the things that I really loved watching, which we can get into in a bit, because I'll stop talking and give it to somebody else, is this whole idea of bringing the fans in a little bit more. The peek behind the curtain and just talking to the camera. We're seeing the crew and everything that that sort of implies about the show as a game that real people are playing and that we at home are watching and analyzing just felt heightened. 
So I can get into it more, but that combined with the like extra emphasis on everyone's emotional backstory and like footage from home and B-roll of them before they got on the island, I think just made for a really strong like, hey, we know you know this is a game, but we're really going to drive it home and we're going to let you have even more awareness of what's going on in the game. That's more than a minute. I'm going to stop. But wow, it's lit, guys. Mood. Stacy. what about you? Opening thoughts. Well, first I have to say, I was not at said watch party and, you know, it's really (laughs) a low light of my life, if you will, but I'm happy for y'all that you got to go and watch it live. Uh, I watched it in my room with pizza. I also had Kleenex nearby because I knew I was going to cry and it probably took like two minutes, (laughs) if that, before I was crying. So I'm very happy to have Survivor back season 41, but I would say this episode, I don't know. I think I have mixed thoughts on it. I feel like it's just any Survivor, having any Survivor back is just so exciting that I wasn't like super critiquing it probably. But also I think there were some things that I was like overwhelmed by maybe, you know, we've watched 40 seasons. We've seen one different twist come up and like we've seen more gradual changes, I would say, but I feel like this was like a lot of changes that even if you've watched every season, you're like, what? <laughs> like, this is not what we are used to. So I think those were some of my concerns. We're just like, we're doing a lot at once. I know we're going to talk more about like diversity and, and all the changes. I will say, I'm gl- obviously glad there's more diversity. I am glad they had a conversation about the catchphrase, but I'm also a little concerned and I'll talk more about it that I feel like they're going to, they're trying to like prove that they've done work in the last two years. And it's actually like going to annoy me more than actually convince me basically, but I'll hold on to that for now. But overall, I'm just excited. It's back. You know, this is going to be hard to only watch one episode a week. That will be hard, but I mean, it'll teach me patience, I suppose. (laughs) Patience is a virtue, and somebody who has very little patience for me is up next, Aggie. Okay. Anyway, so Cece, that was so nice. So I don't feel like I need to add too much more than what you and Anna said. I think for me, I was emotional for sure. I think there's something so infectious about Jeff at all times, but his like absolute glee at being back in Fiji with some castaways ready to narrate a challenge for his fucking life. Like I just, I missed him. Like my biggest takeaway was I missed Jeffrey Probst. Do you know what I mean? Like new season. I think it's going to be really good. I think my two biggest things that I was like so excited about were one Jeff. And the second one was the camera work. Like I'm talking that is filmography. Like this is a film. We're watching a, a, a long form 13 week film. I just, filmography. I don't know. I, I'm Cinematography. Tired. Sure. There we go. I don't care. I'm tired, but I just felt like it was like watching a movie and there was something so exciting about that. I think they're really leaning into this new era of survivor drop the four, keep the one. It's like we restarted. That's kind of cool. Do I think I'm going to necessarily like it? And do I like that the season, you know, like 37, 38, 39 crew is like Loki not welcomed back at Survivor? Maybe not. But I do like that they were like, we're going to start over. It's going to look different. It's going to sound different. We're going to do different challenges, twists, whatever. It's still going to feel like Survivor, but it's not going to be what we started it as. And I think I, I think it's cool that they're trying to take a risk. With that fresh lake comes this idea that you had two fucking years like get your shit together when it comes to diversity or whatever. And Stacey, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts. But I did think for it being the first episode, whether or not it's real or genuine, I do appreciate the effort in episode one to be like, I we are trying. 
whether or not it's real or fake, it has, I feel like time has to tell, but I did appreciate that they like made a concerted effort. So, you know me, I'm an optimist in my heart. So I'm going to hope for the best, but I'm very excited to see what you're thinking too, Stacey. And yeah, I miss Survivor, man. I love a lot of the other things we watch, but Survivor is number one in my heart and I am ready to get this going. And we started off with a bang. Yes. Just to like echo some things that my lovely co-hosts all said, it was very exciting to watch this and have the excitement all around us. And it's also like, I'm just excited to watch this live as it happens. Like, yes, binging a season is fun, but watching a season episode by episode is also really fun too. Because you get that built up excitement after the whole week, all that excitement building you up and you build your expectations, you make theories there's something just cool about that experience of watching something one by one, which is like something that like Marvel kind of reminded me of, like with like their shows they're releasing one by one. And it's like, it's just fun to be a part of that. And now that we're fully in this Survivor community, I'm very excited to be doing this along with them as well. The diversity things, like I agree with both Stacy and Aggie. Like I'm excited to like dive deeper into this conversation when we talk about production and all of that as well, because I definitely have thoughts too. But overall, I think this was a very strong first episode. I think they did a very good job of being like, hi, a lot of you watched us in the pandemic. We know that. We're going to explain to you what this show is and how we're now different to fit a 2021 era and how we're trying to stay relevant. But with that, fam, let's get into this whole new era conversation. Welcome back to Survivor. First two seconds, it's Jeff walking through the woods of Fiji, through the jungle. He's like, welcome back, everybody. I missed you. Did you miss me? He has this really weird moment where he looks into the camera. He's like, we want to have fun this season. And we're going to have fun the only way that Survivor knows how. Dangerous fun. No rice. Smaller tribes. You're going to have a penalty for losing, like not just going to tribal. You're going to have other penalties. You have to earn every single thing that you get. The game is only going to be 26 days long. So, so much shit is happening different in the game. But then also Jeff introduces this game within a game that at home people can play. So we very much are in this brand new era of Survivor. What were our thoughts and our feelings? I'm being welcomed to this new world of Survivor 2021. Oh, just Jeff being like, it's been too long. It's good to be back. And you're like, I fully don't think you were doing anything during the pandemic, sir, other than thinking about what this moment would be like. I think the key word which Jeff uses to call back to this entire watching journey that we've all had. Like we have talked in such depth about how each season changes and what they change and like the smallest of tweaks that they make. But the point is that the show is forever evolving. But what I think we're seeing here is just cranking it up to like a million and evolving all at once, adding in so many minor and major new elements so that like we don't know what to expect the people who are playing the game certainly don't know what to expect and that at every possible turn in the game there are these twists that we've added that include decision making which is what the game's all about honestly these sort of additions of like everything that you do is going to affect what happens whether it's having to do a puzzle to earn rice or having to move the buckets of water to get your flint like 
that's a decision that wasn't previously a part of the game. And I think it's going to create a lot more paranoia within the players about every move that they make. And it's also going to make it more interesting to watch because these little decisions that they have to make can result in theory in some things that we've never seen before. Like all the stuff about risking your vote immediately had me thinking, what if everybody does the like dice in the same tribal and there's no votes? Like what, what if that's going to be a possibility? So I think more than anything else, it's, it's just cool that the amount of new things that we have and that every single one involves some level of you as a player have to decide what you're going to do. I mean, yeah, I liked the, the kind of like cold open with Jeff. I did like that. It's very different. I feel like there was so much anticipation for this season, all the like former players, all the people who are now watching that didn't watch before, people who normally would watch, but they had to just wait two years. So I just feel like him starting like that was just so like relatable. It was just like, yes, I know, like you guys have missed us. We've missed you. Like something about it was very endearing, I would say. I think though, as far as like him saying 41, drop the one, I for some reason that just annoys me. I mean, hopefully, you know, it's not going to be like an ongoing thing. I get what he's saying. I feel like I'm just kind of like, Okay, it's still Survivor. Like, I'm not going to, in my mind, think of it as a new show. Like, this is Survivor. Yes, it has changed. But like, if someone asks you, what is the show Survivor? You have the same basic premise. So like, season 41 is still that. Or I hope it is, personally. But as far as, yeah, the twist with like, the audience being more involved, I think that is cool. Like, that's the thing. I like the changes. I think I just, or I like the idea. It's only been one episode. But I like the idea of some changes. I just... I'm a little resistant to like completely say this is a new game completely transformed. Stacey, I agree with you. I think for me, it reminds me, you know how when, I mean, I know we don't like to revisit season 39. Well, some of us don't in general, but remember how we talked about with Rob and Sandra, how it was like baby's first survivor because they were like explaining things to the players, but also low key to the audience. It's almost like they took that idea and they were like, we're just going to directly address you now. But I agree, Stacey. Like Survivor, I think at its core is not going to be different. But I think they're trying to differentiate it distinctly from the first 40. Because let's be honest, the first 40, a lot of it is like recycling old players or recycling things that have worked. They did tweak things. Like we all watched all 40 seasons. We talked about twists and turns every single episode of this podcast. And so it's not a new idea to change these little aspects. But I think they're trying to be like, we have a whole new audience, a significantly larger audience, I feel like, based on who watched during quarantine. So they were like, you know what? Instead of like tiptoeing into this, let's go like balls to the walls and be like, hi, this is new Survivor. This is where we're at right now. So glad you're here. But also we're doing this now. So if you're going to come at us with hate for what we're doing, we prefaced and said it is different. So you're not getting Rob Mariano on the seasons now. I've said, no, we're not doing it because I think they wanted to be like, if you're here for that, that's not what we're doing anymore. So we're going to be upfront about it. To me, I respect that. We all talked at the end of the 40. We were like, shit, where do we go from here? It was all these people that you have known and grown to love. And like, it was a celebration of 20 years of Survivor, basically. So we couldn't come back and just do the same thing. So they're like, you know what? Let's like the same way they're asking the players to risk things to get rewards. They're like, we're going to risk it and try this new era, try this new shift and see if we can get a new era started because we they want it to last another 20 seasons. I totally see the like, it's not different because it's not. But they're like, we're just going to preface that it kind of is. I think with me for it, like, 
I feel like season 40, like as lucky as you could have been when a global pandemic hits, Survivor got very lucky that the last thing that they ever filmed was season 40. It's almost feels like, you know how nowadays like they're revamping old shows to like bring back onto the air. Like the Wonder Years is getting a brand new one. You know, like I'm trying to think of others, but like y'all know- like, Gossip Girl. Gossip Girl just got new. Like they're revamping these old shows and bringing them back. And that's what this feels like. It's very much like, hey guys, like, Remember that old show you used to watch, Survivor? Cool, we're bringing it back now. Not that it was dying towards the end, because it wasn't, it was still like doing well in the ratings, but it definitely got more popular over the pandemic of people re-watching old things. Even though I know that wasn't there, it was always going to come back. It just like, that's what it felt like. I think one thing that I did want to say though, this game within a game thing, I, first off, how very RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 6. We see you, Jeffrey, watching your other Paramount Plus shows. But my thing with it is, like, I don't want it to turn into, like, this, like, cheeky, gimmicky thing that I kind of feel like it's turning into. It's kind of, like, reminding me of, like, do you remember watching, like, Disney Channel or Nickelodeon? And it's like, hey, follow along back home, guys. Go online and vote for what shirt uh, Corbin Blue will wear in High School Musical 2. And, like, that's, like, what it's starting to feel like. And, I mean, it was just the first episode. So, like, I guess, like, I can't judge it now. But, like, I don't want it to go into that direction. Like, log on now and see what's happening over on that special video Jeff has made for you online. <laughs> I will, because there's just not enough over there. Like, you go to the link and it's like, do your little word puzzle, do your scramble, watch the video. That's it. Like, there's no prize. There's no rankings. So I get what you're saying. And I also don't want it to get weirdly gimmicky. But I just don't think there's enough of a thing to fall into that. At least not yet. Yeah. Especially since they're not using social media to do it. It's not like hashtag or like get on Facebook and play the game or like vote on Facebook like you do for like The Voice or Dancing with the Stars even. Like they're not doing any of that yet because I think the thing is at its core is like Survivor is never going to be a game that's live except for the finale. So we also have that added benefit of we're not dealing with all the gimmicky things. I liked Jeff's little video. I only did the first word puzzle and then Jeff's little video. I didn't do the word scramble yet. It was kind of cool to imagine yourself because he's like, pretend you're doing this next word puzzle with 10 other people around you, like all trying to buy for the same spot. And you're kind of like, you know what? You're right, Jeff. Like this seems really easy, but if I were to actually be doing this and all 10 of my friends and I are trying to do this at the same time to see who can do it the fastest, there is like a different aspect to that than just doing a word scramble. So at its base, it's not going to get you exactly a survivor experience, but you know, Anna can never go because of her diabetes. So you guys, it's my tragedy. It's my cross, it's her cross to bear. <laughs> Because it's not on social media, I think it feels more gimmicky because it feels like you're behind the times, Survivor. We already did going onto websites with parent permission. It's now the age of social media. Like if it was just a TikTok and Jeff asked you that question on TikTok, that would feel more authentic than going online to do that. Duet and blind react. Who do we talk to to have Jeff duet and blind react? I don't, Lauren, like hire Lauren. Like, it's just painful at this point. Can you imagine Jeffrey Grove saying the words duet and blind react on a TikTok? In my dreams. Stacy, you look like you're about to unmute. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of moving on to the, um, like, how he kept saying this survivor's going to be much more dangerous, I guess. And I, I feel like I'm starting to sound like, I said I wasn't that critical of the show. I feel like I'm starting to sound very critical of this episode. But it's just like, come on, this has been our baby for... <laughs> a long time now. So I, I do have some criticisms, I guess, but it doesn't mean I'm like not enjoying it or not going to watch still. I mean, 
I'm going to watch because we're podcasting about it no matter what, <laughs> but I'm also going to watch because I love Survivor. But um, I don't personal, and I want to know what other people think, but I do not like them starting with no rice, them having to give back their fire. Well, give back the fire. I don't mind as much. Maybe honestly, it's the food thing, I think, because like, I get that it's surviving. I get that they've never had like a ton of food, but like you are trying to live. I mean, are they only eating coconuts now? Like, I don't want the game to be about depriving someone of the small amount of food they already get (laughs) like I think you can make the game more exciting without like depriving them and I know it's only 26 days now or whatever but I'm just like even the flint thing it just feels like meaner than you have to be to make it exciting like I feel like there are other you've already thrown in all these challenges but because they lost they have to give back their like literal survival mechanism (laughs) like the thing is with fire I feel like you could potentially make fire um, before a challenge and if it doesn't rain like keep it going I mean they used to do that in old survivor but the food thing I just I mean obviously they all I mean they wouldn't do it if they were like actually going to starve and die obviously but it just seems a little too like uh, it makes me cringe you know I already I know some people don't like parts of the show because of like the food stuff you know I mean especially if you're someone who's like had an eating disorder or just has like a strained relationship with food it's definitely not like the show to watch I don't know I have personally been able to kind of still keep in mind like it is a game about survival on an island but then like taking away their rice at the start that just did not sit well with me so I'm curious what other people think about the flint or the or like the danger I guess just adding the danger my thing with it is like in the 30s it you kind of just stopped seeing them struggle with food and with like fight like you just like didn't see that struggle anymore and it just like became less a part of the show and if you're going to take that away then I need them to make it more of a part of the show you know, this first episode, we didn't see them, like, struggle to make fire. We didn't see the conversation of, like, oh, my God, I'm so hungry. And, like, I get it. We only saw, like, the first two days. So it probably hasn't set in yet. But if you are going to add this aspect of it, then that needs to become part of your show. I'm going to slightly disagree just because I, I, do, I do agree in concept with what you guys are saying. But I think in terms of this first episode, what the no rice and the you have to do challenges for your flint and then you could potentially lose your flint. I think more than being a way to convey like, oh, they're not going to have food. It was a way to establish this idea that Jeff says at multiple points of like, you have to earn everything. And in an instant, you can lose the things that you've earned. Like, I think it was more of a device for helping us conceptualize what the stakes of this game are going to be rather than like, oh, you don't have rice. How are you going to figure it out? Because we're not seeing that. I think it was more so like, here's the vibe of what's going to happen with the things that you have access to. I was shocked that Jeff decided to choose this, especially when one girl's like, I mean, on season one, they got canned beans. I was like, you're not wrong, sister friend. Because I feel like there was a season where Jeff was like, we're taking away everything, blah, blah, blah. And I agree. And in recent seasons, it hasn't been a focal point of the story anymore. And I think it's them leaning back into this idea. Like it's a new season. It's a new era. So we're going to redo the, again, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's the right vibe, but it's what they're doing. It feels to me like they liked edge of extinction, but they were like, that twist is kind of tired and having all the castaways still be there is kind of tired, but you know what we could do? We can make them do grueling tasks when they fail. That would be fun. Because like the aspect of Edge of Extinction that was interesting was like, 
when Ethan had this really emotional moment trying to get the fucking 20 logs for one fucking fire token. Also, RIP to fire tokens, low-key not sad they're not here. You know what I mean? But um, there was like this emotional aspect to it. And the way this show is filmed, the way this show is being presented to us, we are supposed to care about these people, their stories, their emotions, whatever it is that is dri- their driving force. And by taking things away from them, you are forcing them to confront what is actually motivating them to do this thing that they've chosen to do. You signed up for normal survivor and they made it way worse. So why are you going to continue to fight? And so I agree with you, Stacey. I didn't like that they didn't get any rice. We could have started with less rice, but none seems unsafe. But if we're having an immunity challenge every day or like a reward immunity situation every day, because it's only 26 days, that's maybe less effective. You kind of have an opportunity to earn your flint back, earn rice, other things faster. So I'm hoping that it's less traumatic, if you will. We're going to see what this turns into as the season continues, but make sure of the beauty of watching a live season is that y'all listening to us can interact and let us know your thoughts. So make sure you are sliding in our DMs, our email, letting us know all of your thoughts and tea. But something that did come in new and hot, and I think we can all agree on, is beautiful to see is some of these new production aspects. And the biggest one is that the full CBS diversity initiative is being followed through on. Some tribes have like more POC representation than they do white. We see it clear as day that this diversity initiative has been followed through on. We love to see that. Are there things that I think feel a bit performative or that you're doing it to make people happy? Absolutely. But as a whole, I think it is very nice to see the diversity initiative being taken seriously and wheeled into existence. Thanks to that amazing past castaways, the Black Survivor Alliance really pushing that home and all the conversation that they've had. So it's nice to see that hard work paid off. But yeah, thoughts on just that in general. Stacey, I know you mentioned in your opening thoughts you had things to say. Well, it was actually, I think, more about the come on guys conversation because it's like yes we knew they I mean they literally told us already they're gonna have this amount of diversity so like that was not a surprise but I just you know from thinking back again to season 39 when obviously things happened that shouldn't have happened to me the come on guys thing was like Jeff kind of trying to like just let the world know that he's aware of things. I guess I'll save that since that's not exactly the diversity part here, I guess. But the other thing with the like just racial diversity, I guess, is like, it did seem to me like a lot of the people of color were early targets. Um, I mean, a white woman did end up going home as one of the first people, but what, cause when they all got to their camp and it just seemed like a lot of the initial conversations were about people of color that they didn't, they weren't sure they could trust, or they were like doing something like sketchy or whatever. Like it just seemed like a lot of the white people were pretty, were sitting pretty, like their names were not coming up that much. This was also before the challenge though. This was just like when I was, you know, watching the initial conversation conversations on of the tribe so I didn't love that because I'm like you know if we're gonna have a lot of diversity and they're all gonna get picked off one by one (laughs) then that's not that wasn't exactly the point and I know like you can't control that necessarily like I guess my thing is CBS did what we they have been asked to do but are we now just gonna like see what society tends to do like this this doesn't guarantee that the people playing the game are going to do the right thing or are going to like be aware of their biases or are going to, you know, the chances are 
now higher for a person of color, just be, like statistically, you know, but still like if you, I don't know the exact like stats on this, you know, don't, you don't have to fact check me, but like you could be in a town that's mostly people of color technically, but doesn't mean they're like the ones thriving in the town, you know? So it's like, there's still issues. <laughs> so I guess I'm just feeling a little hesitant based on the first episode to see like what's actually going to happen. Now I might say this and then like the final six is all people of color. And then I'll be like, well, I was pleasantly surprised. It's happening in Big Brother right now. But they like discussed that day one. Those people, like all the black people on that season were like, we need to do this for like something greater than us. I didn't really see that, but obviously it was one episode, so it could change. But I guess I'm just feeling like, you know, a lot of people are like, well, the survivors did what they said they're going to do. But I'm kind of like, okay, well, as a black person who has seen like places hire more people, that, that that doesn't mean like the job is perfect all of a sudden. So just stay alert is what I would say. I completely agree, Stacey. I think it's way too soon to start clapping our hands that CBS has like done something like they made a pledge and they followed through on it. It's been one episode. Who knows? Five seasons from now, they might, something might happen and they'll renege on it and that'll be a whole other controversy. But I think, yes, it's excellent to see that they've like followed through on the first step of everything that they said they would do. But we've had previous conversations with other seasons of like, it's, it's not just about the cast. Like you, you still have to take into consideration, like you're putting, okay, a, diverse group of people on your screen how are those people being edited are we being unbiased in what we're choosing to show like certain conversations of oh let's vote out this person you know they're having that conversation about every single person in the first day so it is that awareness of like okay it's great that they followed through on the promise but like (laughs) were they ever not going to you know what I mean so it's it's like I mean I guess there was a little bit of doubt that they might maybe weren't um, but it, it is just staying vigilant of like, okay, but beyond that, what am I still watching? And what is the implication behind everything we're being shown? I'm cautiously optimistic, but I think it's just, it's too soon to go ahead and be like, they did it because sure. But like, what have they done? Exactly what they said they were going to, which they should have done a long time ago. Amazing. Again, cautiously optimistic, but I, I want to see a bit more about how they play it out on screen. I mean, I'm trying to think. We've only had three casts that were like 50% or more diverse. And the most recent one was season 39. And the final three were white people, right? Like Nora is white. Just fact checking myself here. Um, So Stacey, your point is well made. Again, I'm white. So I don't know if my opinion is useful in this scenario. So feel free to like shut it down if it's not helpful. But when I was looking at the Yasa tribe, I think they are the least not the least racially diverse, but I believe people of color are the majority in the Ua tribe and the Luvu tribe. I do not think they're the majority in the Yasa tribe or if they, if it, it might be like three, three POC, not P, non-POC. And so to me, the Yasa tribe was interesting because I thought it was weird that they targeted Abraham as well first, because like, again, we were at the survivor watch party. So we saw who got eliminated, but saw none of the, we didn't, couldn't hear anything. Like we were all talking like, I don't know. I didn't know what had caused them to vote out Abraham. So to me, it just looked like a black man got voted out first. Sick. After all of that, we voted out a person of color first. And then when I saw why they did it, they were like, oh, he's a fucking threat. But I thought it was interesting that the Yasa tribe, like, I think it's Liana is the other black woman on that team. She didn't gravitate towards the other pe- people of color. She gravitated towards, I think it's Evie. I believe they identify as non-binary now, like post the show, but 
Liana like gravitated towards her and almost went like outwardly presenting women over men rather than going by race. So I think something we've liked about this show is even when it's diverse, people finding those connections across lines, across racial lines, across gender lines, across things like that, across, you know, sexuality lines, like things that they would not have found to connect with each other. They can now. The one good thing I think I see of the 50% diversity pledge is that there's an even playing field for them to choose the route they want to choose based on who they connect with. I could be totally wrong and we're gonna end up with three white people in the end again and then I'll be like, fuck it. I gave you the benefit of the doubt, CBS, and you fucked it up. I'm very intrigued to see where it goes, but I did think that was an interesting sort of like dichotomy in the Yasa tribe because in the other tribes, it was majority POC and I felt like that then in the same way gave them all an opportunity to pick who was gonna work for them rather than being like, I'm already the one at the bottom because of my race. Now I get to choose who I want to work with. I think what's nice, like not nice. I think we have the 50% diversity. I don't think necessarily though that all POC people have to work together. Like, I think that's unfair to put that on. Like, yes, I love that it happened in Big Brother. And like, would I like to see that? Yeah, for sure. But like, I don't think we can say that they should because maybe you don't want them. Like maybe they don't want I mean, I, I just have to say, that's not what I'm saying. Just, no, I don't no, want no, it to no, sound no, like bro, that. I know, I know. Okay. No, no, I know. I think it's cool that like they can like find like maybe they go the outward presenting way. Maybe they like go like singles versus like people like in relationships. Will I be disappointed if we have like a final three of all white people? Absolutely. Can we blame CBS if that happens? I don't think so. I think you blame the castaways. I mean, that's what I'm saying is like CBS did what they can. They could not control who wins. But it was interesting that Big Brother, which I think is already a little more diverse, but they also had the pledge. It was just very interesting to see like the players also, I mean, they talk about it like explicitly like this is our like we've never had a black they had never had a black winner so it's different than survivor but they were just saying like for the good of like society we really need to stick together they didn't even all like each other but they were just like we need to make it to the final six so i think survivor survivor and cbs have done what they can but i'm just saying basically what you said nick of like I just don't trust like humanity now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. As a black person who like has a lot of reasons to not trust humanity, even when they say like, oh, well, we, you know, there's five black people in this room and five, you know, five white people. So like it, you know, that's out of our control. I'm like, well, <laughs> it just tends to go a certain way. So that's what I'm saying. And yeah, I don't, I would, I don't say I would blame anyone, but I would just say like, that's just like on how the game shook out at this point. But I'm just still kind of like hesitant to be like excited is what I'm saying. Speaking of like placing blame and when to start placing blame on CBS, it's not quite that hard and fast, but I had this conversation earlier where I was like, I'm going to be pissed if we don't have a female or female presenting winner this season, because it's been so long. And at a certain point, yes, you have equal male and female castaways each season, not to like make a hard turn from what we were just talking about, but like at, at a certain point when your game is saying, oh, it's half and half, here you go. And season after season, the same person is winning. That I think is when we can start to be like, hey, um, this is a little bit your fault. Like so something about the way that this game plays out has to change because it's obviously not an even playing field. So like at, at what point does the pattern indicate, okay, this is maybe your fault? Does that make sense? So like at, after a certain point, I'm ready to blame the game. If we start to see it go the way of like Ben in season 35, then we can blame CBS. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. 
then it's no longer on the biases of the players. That one's then you're like, no, this is you engineering a game that favors a white person mm-hmm. or favors the person like, you want to win. Like overwhelmingly, it is mostly on the way that the castaways are going to make their own decisions, which are filled with their own unique biases. But just throwing it out there that like there there are instances where like it's it's definitely CBS's fault a little bit sometimes. But with that, something that is on CBS and something that they should have fixed, but they decide to put on the castaways and make the castaways look bad and get all the hate online, which is currently happening. This come on guys conversation. So there are all on the boat. Jeff has welcomed all these new people to the game. He's talking to them all. And then he says, in the spirit of 2021 and trying to do what's right, there's this famous phrase. You all know it. Come on in, guys. With this new lens of the world, do we think that this catchphrase should stay the same or that we should move forward? And while they're on the boat, Evie, who now identifies as non-binary using they, she pronouns, So putting that out there, they say that they think that guys is gender neutral and that they're okay with using it. After listening to the one person, Jeff looks directly into the camera and says, you heard it here, cross it off. I got permission. We're saying, come on in guys. Flash forward to the first immunity challenge. Ricard brings up and says, hey, you said whenever we see something that we should speak up on, that we should come on in guys bothers me. I think we are, it is outdated. I think saying guys gender norm something and that he thinks it should be switched. Jeff immediately backpedals and says, that's exactly what I wanted to do, but I wanted to bring it up to you all first. I'm like, bullshit, Jeff, just shut up. Thank you. And he says, great. It's now going to be, come on in everyone. It shouldn't have been a conversation on the castaways because Ricard is getting death threats, is being harassed, bullied all over the internet for speaking up. CBS and production has failed him and it is so disappointing to see. It should have been changed right out of the gate. It's fucked up. Jeff, if you truly believed that you wanted to change it, because if you put the responsibility on the contestants, they're the ones who get flack and shit for it. Exactly what is happening to Ricard, which is unfair. And CBS owes him a massive apology. That's my stance on it. That's, I had a lot of feelings on it. Stacey, you had a lot of feelings on it. So I'm going to kick it over to you as well and hear your thoughts. It's like, yeah, I mean, if, if it was like Jeff had had this revelation, which shouldn't be like revelation, but you know, had this like growth moment, basically like in the last two years, then he could have just like done it. Like he could have said, I feel like this is something I've said and I don't feel comfortable saying it anymore. Or, I mean, like you were saying, they didn't have to actually bring it up, but I think because it's been said for so long if they wanted to like explain why he just could have explained it but I don't think he should have asked what especially because it's like this is just one group what about next season are you just gonna like ask every season (laughs) and then like one person will have to unfortunately like get take take I don't know the right way to say it but like be the target of harassment basically for speaking up so yeah I just when I watched it I was just like I honestly well to be honest when I first watched it that day when I was just like emotional the survivor was back and like texting all of you like what's happening at the watch party I mean I was like oh look like they're talking about something but then I think when I saw how it went about and you know a few minutes later when Ricard does circle back to it then and Jeff saying oh that's what I wanted the whole time that's when I was like oh this was them just trying to look woke basically so it came across as performative especially when jeff turned to the camera 
and said, I did it. I'm a good person. Give me praise. That's when I was like, no, you shouldn't need praise to be a good person. I don't want to come across like I'm disagreeing with anything that's been said because I'm absolutely 100% not. I don't think it played out the right way. I think it, it, I don't mind that it was a conversation that was had as part of the show. However, I do agree. Like the decision should have been made and said like, Hey, what does everybody think about that? Cause you can achieve the same thing that I think they were trying to achieve, which is like, see what this group of people thinks. How does that play back into the story? How do we get to know like who these people are through what they think about this? Should it have been left on them to make the decision? Absolutely not. But I, I do just, I, I have to think we're being a little bit harsh on the team at CBS and Jeff, because I don't think that they could have had the foresight to anticipate how hateful people are being about it. Um, and maybe that's naive of me to say, because obviously you would expect backlash, especially from the audience that watches this show. But I, I, I don't believe their intention was to throw anyone under the bus and have that person be getting death threats on Twitter. Like that just, I just can't imagine a world where any anyone working in the field would put their players in that sort of predicament. I don't love how fake woke Jeff is being, but I, I do think parts of it come from a good place. And I don't think it's as much of like, look what I just did. I did a good job, didn't I? As much as it's like, hey, we hear you. We're having the conversation. We're listening. Um, it's still not right, but I don't think he's as much trying to praise like what they're doing so much as they're like, we're listening. We're still kind of doing it wrong, but like, we're listening. And like, that's not enough. Um, but I just, I, I don't believe that they would have had the foresight to, to anticipate just how bad it would be in terms of the backlash. But I do think like it, it did need to be brought up, but it shouldn't have been on this group of people to decide. They should have said, hey, we're changing this. Let's talk about what we think about it. Because it has to be talked about. You can't just change it and then not talk about the fact that it's changed. Um, because that would just be, I think, weirder um, and would still probably receive a lot of the same hate online. But I, I just, I don't believe that anyone thought that it would be the level that it is right now. I'm just going to say that I came at it from a slightly different perspective. I agree 100%. It shouldn't have been on the castaways to make the decision. That Like, that's it. But I, when Jeff started talking, was thinking back to both Bryce and Sabrina talking about how when they were in meetings with Jeff, Jeff was like appalled at how offensive he himself had been, how offensive things that he had done had come off. And he was like, I was just unaware. And so to me, that first part of the conversation, I felt like came from a very genuine place from Jeff. Then I think it got to the point where he was like a little bit like assuaging his own guilt of someone be of like a queer person being like, no, you're good, Jeff. And he was like, oh, thank God. I realized in these meetings with the Black Survivor Alliance and the just people of color and like Bryce bringing up gender and sexuality and other things with it. He was like, fuck, I have been part of the problem the whole fucking time. I've done nothing about it. This is my show. I've been running it for 40 fucking seasons. And he was like, cause he was, remember someone said he was asking for names. He was asking for examples and he was immediately calling people to be like, what the fuck? We can't have this. Like, I think it was Sabrina was like, there. we told him there was something on the CBS website that was like pretty problematic. And he was like, I didn't even know that was still there. So to me, I, when I went into it, I went into it with that in the back of my mind, because we had had those conversations with Bryce, Bryce and Sabrina. And I was like, okay, I truly think he came from a perspective of like, I want to show you that I'm not okay with my past actions. But then someone validated him in that moment. And he was like, 
oh, I can breathe again. Because like any person who feels guilty about something, when someone finally says to you like, hey, you did, it's fine. I forgive you. He's going to be there. You, you personally are going to react that way. Was it the right thing to do? No. Was CBS wrong to not just choose to change it? Fuck yes. But that was the perspective I saw that with. And then I was frustrated when he didn't ask every castaway what their thoughts were. Evie spoke up and then he was like, see, we did it. And I was like, even if you did it off camera, I didn't need to see it. There needed to be some way to be like, not just one person spoke and spoke for everyone. And then I had the same question as you, Stacey and Nick of like, are you going to vote every season? Like, what the fuck? And then when Ricard brought it up, I thought Jeff did an okay job in the moment of being like, I'm actually glad you said something. I'm glad you took time to think about it and come back to me with something because I think that's how we grow and evolve in a time where we're at right now, where we're all making mistakes because it's the first time potentially in our lifetime where we've had to deal with some of these biases or like confront things that we didn't realize we were doing wrong. Even if it takes time, I appreciate someone coming to me and being like, Hey, that was like, not okay. It's good that I feel bad about that thing, but I'd rather you address it with me later than never. But again, should not have been on Ricard. It should not have been on Evie. It should not have been on the castaways to make the decision for the show. Like regardless of how you come at it from the other aspects of that conversation, should never been their decision because then, like we said, Ricard's getting death threats for something that should not have been on him. My last closing thoughts on it are like, I think in today's day and age, Survivor should have known that the castaways would be the ones who would get the hate doing this. I think it's like, take a look at TikTok, take a look at Twitter, Instagram, cancel culture, unfortunately, is still a massive thing. You should have had the foresight to know that people were going to go crazy about this. You shouldn't have done it. Jeff even says, he's like, you know, in a game where everything is listened to in this game, you know, speaking up could mean something. So I'm proud of you for like doing that. I'm like, you know, you just said, you just said it. You know that every, all of his tribe mates are now looking at him a little bit differently. Maybe it's more positively, maybe it's more negatively. And you knew that from the beginning and you still went along with this plan. But let's get into this actual game, moving forward, shaking this off a little bit. Let's introduce us to our survivor, 41 castaways. So first up, we have the Luvu tribe, who is comprised of Danny, Deshaun, Nasir, Erica, Heather, and Sydney. Then we had Yasi tribe, made up of Evie, Liana, Tiffany, David, Eric, and Xander. When I tell you you're reading, you've read at least three names and I don't have a picture for them. I'm just, yeah, I'm being honest. Out there. I'm being honest. Who the hell? Oh, wait, no, I know who Tiffany is. Never mind. And then our final tribe is Ua, made up of Brad, Yaris. Oh, JD's first name is Yaris. JD. <laughs> Who is Yaris? Who is Yaris? <laughs> <laughs> it's JD. JD. Um, Ricard, Jeannie, Sarah, and Chantel. With these tribes, we also have gotten the first and the twists of this season. A lot we were introduced to this first episode. I'm going to try and encompass them all. As I mentioned, it is a shorter game, 26 days, no rice. They each get one machete and one pot. And by each, I mean try. Then we also have this new twist called the shot in the dark dice or die. At Tribal Council, if you feel that you are in danger, you can roll your dice. And if you get 
I don't even know how to explain You pull that. a piece of paper. It's one out of six pieces of paper and it'll say safe. If you're safe, it's basically a Hail Mary is what Jeff called it. Like you think you're going home. This is your only chance to get safety. It's like safety without power when Jeremy won that in season 31. Do yeah. I have to roll the dice, right? You just take, you take the item that is the dice and you put it in the thing. Yeah, I think that's what was confusing. I mean, like, why is it a dice when you don't do anything with the <laughs> dice? I don't know. It, it's I think, uh, because of, I think it's because it's like one in six. One in six. Which is like oh, a six. cool. Yeah. Um, also, this twist is that it happens behind closed doors. It happens in the voting booth. So nobody knows that you are doing this. The last twist that we had was each tribe had to send somebody to a summit. At this summit, each player must choose to either protect their vote or risk their vote. If all three of them chose to protect their vote, nothing happened. They all just got to keep it. If you chose risk your vote and not all three of them chose risk your vote, then you got two extra votes. But if all three people chose risk your vote, all three of you lose your vote. In the end, Danny chose to protect his vote with Xander and JD choosing to risk it. So both Xander and JD got an extra vote. Lots of things happening in this first episode. Thoughts, first impressions on these twists that we saw implemented. Can I ask some general questions about Shot in the Dark, which you might not know the answers I was like, we to. don't know the answers, but you can pose them for the audience. I'm going to pose them to the crowd because I would like to know your thoughts. One of them came from our dear Chrissy from season 35. Angel on Twitter gets on and she's like, guys, we got to talk about this twist, the Shot in the Dark die. Um, so first off, they like made mention at the UA tribal council that they maybe would use it. And they all go, should we all just put our dice in our pocket? Do you only get one shot? Like you only get to use it once during the whole season. Like you only get to use your dice as a Hail Mary once. That made it seem like, yes, it's unclear. And then Christy brought up, she goes, so if I play my shot in the dark dice, and I think Anna, you were kind of mentioning this and you're like initial thoughts, it kind of came up a little bit. It's like, if I play first, like if I'm the first person to go, am I a one in six shot and the next person's one in five? Cause I've already taken a piece of paper or does it refresh? Like, does the next person also have a one in six shot? Because if you're last to vote and everyone else is gone, it's in your best interest to also do it. Or like if JD through does his shot in the dark and he pulls safe, can anyone else be safe at that same tribal council? Do you know what I mean? Like, does everybody have the same possibility of being safe? Or is there one safe thing? And it's like Russian roulette and whoever gets it, gets it. Part of me is wondering if perhaps it hasn't yet been full, fully explained because maybe they are going to have that same conversation within their alliances down down the way. Um, that might be giving way too much faith to like the composition of the season. But like, I think it would be interesting if they then talk about that amongst themselves of like, oh, let's, you know, both play our shot in the dark so that, you know, whoever's voting last gets to pull the thing out. But then like, do they know the voting order every time? I don't know. That really threw a wrench in everything I thought about this. I have thought about this so much. Shout out to Chrissy on Twitter because she inspired me to be like, wait, how does this actually fucking work? <laughs> Stacy yeah. loves when we try and guess the producer's mind. It's her favorite thing. <laughs> no, I mean, the asking, how, yeah, like if it's one and six for everyone is a good question. I think it is because, like, that's what makes it a dice. They're just not. It's like it's like they could have honestly given people a dice that had words on it, and one side said safe, and then you roll it instead of the paper thing. Because that's oh, Stacy, what an easy <laughs> fix to the problem. I mean, that's what I. That's what it's not that. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's weird. Those are good questions. 
my thing about the summit is anyone who came back and told them what it was, everyone was like, oh, the prisoner's dilemma. And I was like, is that like, I'm a psych, I was a psych major. I'm a therapist. I've never heard of that. I like love social psychology and I've never heard of that. So I really want to know, did they like tell them to start using that phrase or something? Stacey, we thought the same thing. I was like, why does everyone know what the prisoner's (laughs) dilemma is? Like, what the fuck is the prisoner's dilemma? I know what the prisoner's dilemma is. It's when they (laughs) offer you, they say, you can rat out the other guy and we'll give you immunity, but they're offering the same thing to the other guy. And so you're like, do I, do we both jump on that? And then they're going to give us both. They can't, they can't. So you have to call the bluff of the person saying it because there's, you have to rely on the person that you're trusting in that moment. And that's why it is because it's all of you do one thing and you're safe or all of you do the other thing and you're fucked or you have to half and half it. And some of you get a reward and some of you don't, but that's where that comes from. But I was also like, how do you know this? I mean, but anyway, so that was my first thought, but then I was also just like, I mean, it is a cool idea. I think we're going to talk later about what, what we would do. So I won't say it, but it was cool. Cause it's like, yeah, you just met each other. You're not, you know, I think JD tried to say like, I would like to work with you all down the road, but it's like, this is day one. So it's very interesting. Um, I also love that twist. Again, agree. Did not know what the prisoner's dilemma was. Somebody must have said it in production in like the explanation of what they're about to do. And then it like trickled through everybody else. But For me, and I kind of mentioned this in my earlier thoughts, it's this idea of like every single thing in the game is a decision to be made. But this added the thought process of like, it sometimes doesn't matter what decision you make unless that decision has an awareness of the decisions being made around you, which is so integral to the game that it was cool to see it like quantified in this way, that that to me is the game of Survivor. It's like, you have to make your decisions to get yourself further, but you have to be considering what everyone else is going to do and make the right decision in the moment based on that info that you have. So it was such a cool way to exemplify that. I really liked it for that reason. Well, something that wasn't new or a twist, challenges, bitches. We had three challenges happen this first episode. One right away, right off the bat. All three tribes on the boat instead of the traditional marooning. These players were given a challenge. Each tribe had to collect six oars representing their color, throw them into the water, get them into their boat, unclip their boat front and back, paddle their boat down around a buoy back and grab the flint hanging. If you win this first challenge, you didn't have to work for your supplies, but if you did not win, you had to work for them. Ua won this first challenge, and this is what they did not have to do. The other two tribes had to go back to their beach, and they had to decide if they wanted to do the savvy punishment or if they wanted to do the sweat punishment. The savvy one was that they would compete in a triangle puzzle and they only got one guess though. And if they got it wrong, they didn't get their supplies. Or the sweat option was that two tribe members must gather seawater and fill up two barrels. And if they failed at that, they wouldn't get their supplies. Both Yasi and Luvu chose the sweat one and they did both complete it. So go off friends, you did it Joe. And then the last challenge we had was, of course, the immunity challenge. It was a very typical survivor challenge. Welcome back. We're still doing the same types of challenges, y'all. And the winner of the immunity challenge was Luvu sending both 
Yasi and Ua to tribal council. And in the new theme of Survivor season 41, Ua and Yasi lost their lint. Those are our challenges, y'all. What do we think of them? I would like to first let you know it's Yasa. The yellow one. The yellow one. <laughs> I don't really have much to say, so I'll just say classic Survivor challenges. 10 out of 10. I think, Aggie, what you said about um, hearkening back to Edge of Extinction earlier with the, like, you have to earn your supplies challenge. It's not something we've never seen before, but I, I like that we, that not everything is, like, the biggest, most elaborate thing. I like that we have these, like, little mini challenges. I mean, I think I would call them grueling tasks, but yes. Grueling tasks, but mini challenges. Just a special moment of silence for the first challenge and the boat still being anchored to the ground and Jeff being like, you guys, you did you not? Oh, you didn't even unclip. Okay. Okay. So for all our talk about this not being a new like season one, that first challenge was a comedy of errors on season one level. One group couldn't find a paddle and never even started swimming. One group still was anchored. So literally the last group won by default. Like they did do the thing, but like the other two were never going to win. That's some comedy of errors from early Survivor shit. And he was like, it was like they were too hype and they just like forgot anything they've ever seen on Survivor. My only comment is that I feel personally attacked because I've always said I like the three tribe setups because you just don't have to be last. But they took that away and now you have to be first. <laughs> so I might- not Stacey, we're punishing people if they lose. Yeah, and yeah, it's so we're much impressive. worse. So much worse. But because we did have two tribes lose, we did have two tribal councils. Yasa, to me, they had a very clean and simple tribal council. Everybody was on the same page. Unanimous decision to vote out Abraham. Then the Uwa tribal council happened and shit hit the fan and was messy and Sarah somehow was eliminated even though her name didn't come up. Where did that happen? What happened to poor Sarah? I also wanted to point out before I open the conversation up more, Jeff says if anyone has a secret advantage or hidden immunity idol, at the start of it, each travel council now. So a little sprinkle of, look, new catchphrases that we didn't ask castaways about, guys. I don't know if it's a new catchphrase. I mean, it's a new set. <laughs> well, the only reason we brought it up is because he, to the Yasa tribe, he said, if anyone has a secret advantage, but then, because we thought maybe that meant there were no hidden immunity idols. But then he did say, or hidden immunity idol to the Ua tribe. So then we we're like, oh, okay. There are immunity idols in play in theory. Um, but yeah, someone else speak first. I feel like I've talked too much. I mean, I feel like I've talked too much. So I was kind of waiting, but uh, all I... <laughs> We've all talked too much. <laughs> We've been on for a while. So, oh, okay. Two things. One is that seemed pretty early, I guess, to have like such a live tribal for the... I'm just doing colors right now till I, till I like absorb all the names of things. But the green tribe, I mean, that seemed pretty early to or to have like such an active tribal and to be so like confused when there's six of you I don't know I'm just like what do you do at the merge when it's like so many people you've met for like five seconds and you have to make a decision because there were only six of you so that stood out to me to me I guess I thought like Sarah was kind of on the chopping block because of um the puzzle but even that it's interesting that Shan wasn't Shan seemed to be like in the power position kind of of like they were like what do you who do you want to vote like what do you want to do and I'm like, oh, I'm surprised she's not also kind of in the hot water right now. So that was interesting. And then I kind of already said, like, disappointed that um, in the, I guess it was the yellow. But I was disappointed that he went home first. That, that was surprising to me. I actually thought someone else would go home first in their tribe. 
I think what I found tricky in this first episode in these first tribal councils was, you guys know me, I'm always watching for like, what are we being shown and how are we being shown it? And what's that going to mean down the line? And there were certain people that we saw a lot of in this first episode. And it gets you thinking of like, okay, are these people like getting set up for a certain type of edit? Are they going to make it far? Are they going to be the prominent first act person? Whatever. So to me, when Abraham got voted out, I was like, that makes sense. Like we didn't really see a lot of him. Not that it makes sense as to why they voted him, but like after watching the whole episode and thinking who's going to go home, who have we not really heard a ton from, I was like, that tracks. Sarah less so. We saw a fair amount of her, I thought, but in the grand scheme of the episode, like there was so much going on that if you weren't one of those major, major people that was getting a ton of screen time and you weren't a new twist getting screen time, like there were certainly people that you were like, okay, I don't think they're going to make it that far. So I wasn't terribly surprised with the result and it also I didn't feel one way or the other about it because I was like I don't necessarily care about these people yet I was more concerned with the flip side of like who do we still have who have we seen a ton of and so that was what I was watching for more so than the people who were getting sent home because I was like whatever it's episode one goodbye but I was able to recognize everyone by name by the end of it so I think that's a, a good sign I just felt like the Ua tribe in general got a lot of screen time. Ricard got a lot of screen time. The lesbian woman who I love. Hold on, I wrote down her name. They were certainly the most memorable. Mimi, Ricard, JD, Brad, Sarah, and even um, Sean. Shan. Sean. I can't tell if it's Chantel or Chantel. So. I think it's Shan. I think I I can't, I honestly can't remember because I just feel like all I remember is her singing her like evil preacher music, which was so important to me. I think what was most interesting is the fallout from that vote. Like after that hectic tribal council, Ricard voted Brad, everybody else voted Sarah, and then Sarah voted Ricard. So now you're like, Ricard, you now maybe have a reason for that Hail Mary next tribal council. If you guys are there, you're, you were the only one who voted differently than the other four people. No, Ricard voted for Sarah. Ricard voted for Sarah. Sarah voted for Brad. Jeannie it was Jeannie, voted sorry. for Ricard for some reason. Yeah, so it's like now Jeannie is like a little bit on her heels, like, wait, I didn't vote the same way as everyone else. What happened there? What miscommunication happened there? And in a game when they're already heightened thinking like, ah, what's going on? Now I'm going to start to question, like, do I actually have the alliances I thought I had? What I will say also is Shannon JD clearly care about each other. That was very yeah. apparent to the viewer. Whether or not that was apparent to the other tribe mates, tribes person teammates we're gonna go with teammates because tribal is a little bit like maybe also not pc anyway whether or not that's true to the other castaways i can't tell i can't tell if they know that jd and shan are like we are a two like we are trying to stick together to the end but it was very apparent to the audience and so for me i'm like i'm interested i'm very interested in ua and where their story is going to go it makes you think that all of them are players long term so we got a lot of fans have spoken for this week's episode which we love Thank you so much. We are going to do most of them in the top of our episode two recap, just because we have all spoken so much this episode and we want to keep it rolling along. Our honorable mention is also going to be lumped into when we pick our castaways of the weeks. We're moving right into our segment of Jeffrey Probst needs a vibe check. Mine is when they're walking to travel council and travel or Jeff just looks deadpan into the camera. Ah, the first travel council back. I missed it. Like, Jeff, what the fuck? Calm down, bro. It looked like he was, like, getting off on this high. And I was like, bro, take a moment and breathe. 
kicking it on over to you, Stacey. Vibe check, ya boy, Jeffrey Brooks. Okay. Mine was when, I promise next week I'll have better details of names and tribes. But the tribe that had two puzzles, like, just in the bag and they didn't know. <laughs> when they figured out, Jeff is like, fill in the blank, tribe had two puzzle pieces still in the bag. Hard to do a puzzle without the pieces. And then, like, later he's like, imagine what could have been if they had all the puzzle pieces. Because I think they were catching up. And it's just one of his classic things where he just makes you feel so bad when you're like, you're like, we know we messed up. We're still in the middle of the game, please. Like, please keep these comments to yourself. He's um, already dead. It, well, it's just like, we already know. Yeah. Is that a TikTok thing? <laughs> okay. Um, and then very quickly, also when JD was explaining at Tribal Council, like, well, people told me this at camp and like now I'm hearing something different and I don't know who to believe and Jeff is just like hmm and just like it was like he was like faking that he cared or something like I can't really reenact it through a podcast but it was like just this nod as you know when someone's talking and you're just kind of like oh interesting but you like don't care that's what it felt like to me so those are mine I have two um but also while Nick is gone I'm just going to correct him because the quote that Jeff says is he goes First tribal council, here we go. As if we have not just had an over like aerial shot of tribal council and it's the end of the episode and we hear the tribal council music. Like we know what's going on. Um, but he looks to the camera and says, by the way, it's tribal council right now. Um, but no, mine, I have two quotes. The first is um, during the barge first challenge and they're looking for their last paddle um, or maybe when they're looking for a paddle and one guy like tries to climb up to where Jeff is and Jeff goes, nothing up here, I promise. And you're like, mm, okay. Um, and then the other one, I think it may be after they've had the second come on in guys discussion um, and Jeff, and someone correct me if that's not where this happens, but Jeff is talking about like, if you have an issue, like you let me know, you can tweet at me. He goes, I'm at Jeff Probst on Twitter. Probably won't read it anyway. And you're like, Jeff. So you acknowledge that people are going to tweet mean things. Okay. I think it was the second time. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, if you're mad, send me a tweet. Not going to read it. Good plan. Well, now that all of mine have been taken. So sorry. Um, I should have done one. <laughs> um, literally every single thing that you guys said is written down in my hashtag. Definitely a vibe check table. I'll give you one, but it's not my favorite. It's like by far my least favorite one. But um, it's when Nasir is telling us that he learned to speak English from Jeff Probst watching Survivor. And um, Nasir goes, you're my dictionary too. Like to Jeff and Jeff goes, I'm sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, like, it's funny, but it's not his best work. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's good, but it's not that good. It's quality. That's a good one. He's like, I'm sorry about that. I'm like, Jeff, I think we're all a little bit sorry that you're anyone's dictionary. I'm just like, go off, sir. Moving into rapid fire and let's see how rapid we can make these. First up, would you choose the savvy or the sweat challenge? Anna. I'd choose sweat because it's a sure thing, but like I'm not doing it. Like someone else is doing it. That no, was my exact explanation. Like, I don't know what I'm getting into a savvy. It's a closed off puzzle. You don't know what it is. I'm doing sweat because I know what's happening. Aggie, I bet, has a different opinion. You pick savvy because it's four hours. Everyone can participate, meaning you can double check each other. Four hours to do a puzzle? You'd have to be a fucking rube. You can do that. Literally. <laughs> between six people, you can solve a puzzle. Sydney is clearly having a moment with Stacy, but six people, 
can solve a puzzle in four hours where you can double check yourself before you check your answer. I can't. I can't. Okay, Stacey, do you agree or disagree? <laughs> oh, they're both good points. I think I think the water one, it's just more guaranteed. So it's just more guaranteed, and clearly Aggie is outvoted. So moving on to the next question. <laughs> Would you either risk your vote or protect your vote like they had to choose in the summit. Stacy, let's kick it back to you first, darling. I would protect my vote, definitely. Mood. Anna? Um, that early in the game, I'm risking it because I feel like it's inconsequential if you lose it. I mean, it's not, but I think in my game, I'd be okay to lose it. Aggie? You gotta risk it to get the biscuit. No, I should have went first. I was gonna say you gotta risk it to get the biscuit. Son of a bitch. I'm sorry. Every single one of my Japanese vibe check moments was taken in the last segment. So I get to take yours. Sorry. Anyway, next rapid fire question. How honest would you be coming back from the summit? We saw like yeah. Danny and Xander be very honest. And then we saw JD tell a terribly told lie, which was painful to listen to. Can I go first? Sure. I just, I think JD is not a weaver of stories. <laughs> I think he's just a bad storyteller because at the end of the day, he did lie. And like, I don't, like Ricard thought he was full of shit, but I think everyone else just didn't know what he was talking about. Cause again, not a weaver of tales. So I would do JD's, but better. And then lie at the end, say I protected my vote. Cause like who the fuck needs to know? I think I would tell the truth. Like Xander did. Honestly, like saying it the way that Xander did being like, I did it for us y'all. Like I like, did it so that we would have that extra vote and like we can decide as a team like what we want to do and stuff and like they like ate it up and i was low-key surprised that they ate it up but go good for them pretty much the same thing you just said i would just tell the truth because like if you can't come back with rice which they were all expecting it's like you should just tell the truth honestly but make it seem like it's for the team so i also feel like if you get caught in the lie it's almost worse than if you get like then telling the truth but anna Here's the tea. Someone's going to think you're lying even when you tell the truth. We talked about this in our circle episode last week. Like everyone's so paranoid that I, I would tell the truth fully knowing that people are still going to think I'm lying probably, but I would make sure that I had my truth straight because I think that's what happened with JD was he was like, like, it's, it's not, it's not a simple thing to explain. Like there's a lot of components to what they had to do. And so I think you would have to really, really distill it down to the most simple version of the truth. And then make sure you add what Xander did of like, we don't know the results yet. Like, we don't know what we have. Here's what I did. Here's what happened. It could be something. It could be nothing. So I would tell the truth, but fully anticipate that people would be like, mm, I don't buy it. Ooh. And then what are y'all looking forward to this season? Personally, I mentioned this in my opening thoughts. I'm looking forward to watching a live season with people, with the community, getting those fun TikToks coming up on my For You page of reacting to what happened this episode, conspiracy theories. I'm, I'm in it. I'm ready for that shit. Aggie? I'm looking forward to, I am looking forward to like watching a season in real time. It's been so long. I'm looking forward to vibe checking Jeff Probst much more often. And I'm looking forward to, um, Xander really, you know, just filling that Malcolm and Ozzy void in my soul that I've been missing for, you know, 18 months. So Xander, welcome to the club. Stacy. Um, I'm looking forward to right now, like after this episode, I'm looking forward to figuring out that whole dice. What is it? Shot in the dark dice. What's it called? What's the other name for it? Like a, a Hail Mary, the Hail Mary. I'm looking forward to like seeing it in action. Same Stacy. I forgot about that, but yes, mm -hmm. I have many questions. 
Uh, Anna, round us off. I am also looking forward to watching in real time, mostly because it's been so long since I've watched a season where I didn't pretty much know who the winner was. Um, even those last few that we were watching leading up to 40, like there were a handful in there that I was like, I don't really know what happens, but I know who wins. So I, I'm excited to watch it unfold without knowing anything. Um, and I'm also excited to get to know these players a little bit more for better or for worse. And because the season's unfolding in real time, we can follow them on social media right off the bat. I've already followed a few. I love that. And then finally, to wrap up our episode, who is your castaway of the week? Who are you picking that you want to watch, see, get to the end? Okay, Anna, why don't you kick us off first? It's gotta be Evie. Evie, I think, is the smartest player so far. I think she's one of the most well-spoken to the camera in her confessionals. We're getting a lot of inner thought explained also she was talking about how like she did research into like survival of the fittest and like natural selection so i'm like she knows what's going on on like a deeper level i think she's observant i think she's analytical i'm i'm psyched we'd love to see it we'd love to see it uh stacy what about you oh yeah also i we're all i know we're all like learning the names for sure but um i i think I think they go by Evie because I thought it was Evie. Oh, I kept hearing. Yeah, I thought it was Evie too. I think there's yeah. two Vs. Well, my yeah, double get, apologies. I mean, I didn't know that till I listened to Idol Chatter. They kept saying Evie. So, but since, since they're your favorite, I just wanted you to know. So you can- <laughs> I thank you so much. <laughs> but I think right now my eye is on Shan. I could also be saying Shan's name wrong right now, but my eye is on Shan. Because uh, I just think in that tribal council, like, it just seemed like she did have a lot of power or, like, influence, so. Oh, for sure. Aggie, what about you? Danny. Oh, we're all going to have different ones. I just think Danny understands the game and has a, like, strong head on his shoulders and that he's not being thrown off as much by the things that are being thrown at him. He's like trying to actively think through and like be calm and chill about it and like take the game as it comes rather than like frantically trying to be ahead of it. I'm going with Ricard. One, always bet on gay. Two, he is outspoken. He's ready to talk. He also like all of his cutaways for like picking apart what other people were saying. He's like, hmm, JD and Shannon are talking a lot to each other. Seems like I got to get in there and break that up. Or when JD was telling his terrible lie, he was like, JD's just spilling a lot of bullshit right now. And I was like, yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Also, he's just really hot. So like, that's important to me, you know? Who is your castmate of the week? Make sure you let us know, slide in our DMs. Look out for that fancy spoken coming through. Follow us on all the things. Do all the stuff that you gotta do. And we'll talk to y'all next week when we review episode two. Until then, roll that outro, Aggie, or whoever is editing this. Bye! It's Anna. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Escaping Reality. We are so grateful to have you all in our podcast fam. If you liked this episode, make sure you subscribe and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a follow for new episode notifications. Slide into those DMs at Escape Room Reality Pod on Instagram or tweet us your feels at ESC Reality Pod on Twitter. If you're a Survivor alum, we'd love to chat with you about your experience and or any of your Survivor feels. Reach out to us on Instagram or email us at escapingrealitypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening and thanks for escaping reality with us. Oh.